Feels good to say this. Monday, PFTOT. It has been a while since we've done a PFTOT. It's been a while since we've done PFT Live. This is where we talk about the things we either didn't get to or we'd like to talk about in more detail. Chris Sims, Mike Florio here. We talked about the Patrick Mahomes contract that was done two weeks ago. We didn't talk about the Dak Prescott deal that wasn't done before the window closed on long-term deals for franchise tag players on Wednesday of last week. Chris, how surprised were you, 1-10, to 10, that they didn't work out a long-term deal? Oh, I mean, uh, I, I mean, like if one was no surprise at all, it was a one. I didn't expect it to happen. I mean, just the way it kind of unfolded, I think, throughout the offseason, uh, it seemed like there was a line drawn in the sand and neither side was going to cross it. And uh, I was not shocked at all. And I think, Mike, to that adds to that conversation. Once I saw Mahomes' contract, I felt like that was just going to make the Dallas Cowboys dig their heels in even deeper and go, okay, look, he just accepted this. And Dak Prescott, we think you're awesome, but you're certainly not that guy over there, number 15 in red and white. And, you know, you're asking for the same or very similar or more in the first four years. And I, once I saw that, I just knew there was no way Dak Prescott was getting anything long term. Let me ask you this. Yeah. If the Cowboys were to take the Patrick Mahomes contract, scratch out Chiefs, put in Cowboys, scratch out Mahomes, put in Dak. One, do you think the Cowboys would do it? And two, do you think Dak would accept it? Oh, I, I don't know. As it stands right now, I don't think Dak would accept it. No. Um, and... Uh, I do think the Cowboys would do it. Yes. I think the Cowboys would be like, sure. Yeah. Hey, let's do this. Right. Okay. You want to do this? Sounds good to us. Uh, No, I think where it could be tempting for a guy like Dak Prescott, you know, is the fact that he hasn't made big money yet or anything like that. But the Mahomes contract, because of the lack of the signing bonus or anything, it doesn't really give anything, you know, for a guy like Dak Prescott who hasn't made any money yet to go, oh, okay, here we go. Here's my first chunk of change. I got this. This is good. And we go from there. So uh, I certainly think that Dak wouldn't accept it, and I think the Cowboys would love to give him that contract. I guarantee you he wouldn't have taken it. When you look at what he's going to make this year, $31.4 million under the franchise tag, Mahomes is making like 10, between 10 and 11 million right. this year. Now, we, we talked earlier about guaranteed money possibly being at risk as part of the potential cancellation of the season, and Dak wouldn't get his money. But I, 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 look, it's a better deal for him to go year to year under the tag. And that's ultimately what the analysis was, Chris. This is something we talked about over and over again. What were the Cowboys going to offer Dak Prescott to get him to give up the bird in the hand? $31.4 million this year. $37.68 million next year, and then the Kirk Cousins conundrum for 2022. Do they transition tag him? Do they franchise tag him? Do they let him walk away after he's made $69.08 million for two years of football? I mean, ultimately, it's a simple analysis for him. He treated last year like a contract year and got paid $2 million. This year, he treats it like a contract year, and he's going to get paid $31.4 million, and they didn't offer him enough to get him to say, I'll trade in what I have and take what you're offering me instead. No, they did not. And, you know, again, there's the risk. I'm, hey, I'm sitting here as a living proof that there's a risk when you don't, you know, take your money. Sometimes you might, you might not get all the money that you, you could have possibly had. But at the same time, Dak Prescott, you've mentioned this many times before. We know this. He's never been injured. And I think it's a less of a gamble in 2020 for a quarterback to do these type of things than ever before because we know the rules to protect the quarterbacks 
you know, we just don't see as many franchise quarterbacks lost for the year as we used to in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. So I think because of that, Dak Prescott and his camp probably feel a little bit more comfortable uh, rolling the dice on this, you know, scenario maybe than you would 10, 20 years ago. Yeah, and look, you can go out and buy insurance to protect yourself against the catastrophic injury. Uh, the, the key is the cash in hand. He's got the endorsement money. He's got the guarantee. And one argument that I heard last week about Dak Prescott, there's no guarantee that the Cowboys would tag him again next year. And so if the Cowboys don't tag him next year at $37.68 million, no one else is going to pay him $37.68 million. So he should just do the best deal he can long term with the Cowboys now. Do you think they'll tag him next year? Or what do you think it would take for them not to tag him next year and pay him 37.68? Well, I, yeah, I think it would. First off, if they weren't, it would take one, maybe a disaster of a year, right? To where you go, okay, whoa, the Cowboys were 4 and 12 and he didn't play. Whoa, he played bad. They might then just go, you know what? And, and, and if they were a bad record and had a top 10 pick, they might just go, hey, the hell with it. We're, we're not going to pay you $37 million or anything like that. We might just draft a quarterback. I don't see that happening. One, because I think Dak Prescott is one of the 10 best quarterbacks in football right now. Two, I think da- uh, Dallas Cowboys got a lot of talent around him to you know accentuate his talents and make him look even, maybe even better, especially the fact that you get CeeDee Lamb in the top 20 to go along with a pretty dangerous core of wide receivers already. So uh, I, I, I just don't see that happening. But to me, that would be the circumstance maybe uh, that, that you would see Dallas say forget about it. But I think anything like borderline playoffs, Dak Prescott has anything close to what he did this year where he's top of football in a lot of statistical areas, I think Dallas is either going to, yeah, it's going to be the franchise tag once again, or maybe they'll pony up the money for a long-term contract. Here was my response when someone told me last week the Cowboys wouldn't tag him next year. It was very simple. They chose the highest possible level this year. They didn't have to go exclusive with 31.4. They could have saved $4 million or so with non-exclusive and put him out there. If somebody wants to sign him to an offer sheet that the Cowboys won't match, take the two first-round draft picks and move on. They went with the Cadillac version of the franchise tag. That tells me they want him. See, the problem is they've delayed and they've delayed and they've delayed paying him what they should pay him, and it keeps getting more and more expensive. So next year, if they do tag him, Chris, the starting point's 37.68 on a long-term deal. And then when you get into 2022, you've got $45 million plus under the transition tag, $54 million plus under the franchise tag if they tag him a third time, or he walks away. And, and look, this is all about the Cowboys restricting his ability to become a free agent. Let it go. Let him, let's see what the market bears. No one seems to know what the market would bear for Dak Prescott. Well, let him go to the market and let's see. And that may happen in 2022. Uh, I, I am impressed by the fact that Dak has never given in. No. That he's had tremendous pressure placed upon him by that Cowboys franchise to take the deal, take the deal, take the deal, take the deal, and he's always said no, and right. that is not easy to do. But he's made the right business decision, and now he's in great shape. 31-4 this year, 37-6-8 next year, and then maybe free agency in 2022. Yeah, maybe. I, I do give him a lot of credit, like you said. He has you know, stood strong throughout this. And, hey, from people I know, I think that's what's kind of struck the Cowboys. Just uh, from a few people I've talked to about this throughout the spring, 
I think ultimately the Cowboys were always in the thought process that Dak would do the team a solid and take a little bit of a team-friendly, you know, little edge off of what he was asking for and be that guy because he has been – everything else has said through his career he's a team guy, and I think Dallas knows that. So I think they're a little shocked that he, uh, you know, was this hard, this hard line about the subject. Um, but, but, like, to me – this is shaping up to be even more expensive for the Dallas Cowboys. Just uh, that would be my just if we're sitting here early before the 2020 season, I would go. This looks like it could be Joe Flacco, but worse for the Dallas Cowboys, because, again, they're talented. They're going to be angry about, you know, the way last year ended. They got a new coach in there who I think is going to light the, you know, light a fuse on the whole bunch. He's going to be worth a few wins, you know, and I think Dallas is really flirting with danger of, I, I mean, the brass, the, the, the Jones family of this team being like 11 and five and him being one of the two or three highest rated quarterbacks in football. And, you know, he throws for 4,800 yards and leads, you know, one of the top two or three people in touchdown passes, then it's going to be like, whoa, yeah, $37 million is a year is might what it takes for a long, long time, or they're going to have to find some other way to be creative with that contract. And, you know, to the extent that Dak Prescott isn't taking into account the necessity to pay other players, I, I, I think that he brings a unique mindset to the table here. He was a fourth-round draft pick who made peanuts yeah. for four seasons relative to his performance. He knows that the CBA is set up in a way that it creates opportunities every year for the team to go out and add, via the draft, a bunch of cheap players. And if you draft well and if you develop those players, you don't need to go pay superstars, right? You, you only pay some, and you pay me. I'm your quarterback. You take care of the quarterback and if you have other roster spots, you go out and you draft a guy in the fourth and round. And they've like been drafting me. great. So he can always say right. that. Look, you guys are doing great. Keep it going. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He's the best example of it. Yes. He's the best example of it. You don't need to go out and sign a big-name free agent and pay a bunch of money. You just need to go out and continue drafting the way you have. And also, speaking of the draft, yeah. you mentioned their alternative next year would be if they let Dak walk away, they can draft somebody. What if there's no college football I season know. this year? That's Are you going to be comfortable Taking a flyer on a third or a fourth round guy who didn't play at all in 2020. Right. No, you're not. You're right. And that gets or a first rounder. Who? Who's the first rounders? I don't know. I, uh, Trevor Lawrence. I know. And the kid from uh, the kid from uh, Ohio State. Yeah, Justin Fields. Right. I mean, yeah. that, those are the mm -hmm. only two guys right now. I know people are trying to say there's a kid up in North Dakota State who uh, I, I can't say. You know, people are trying to put him in that conversation. But you're right. It's scary. We don't know the prospects of college football. I think they're a lot more dire than they are in the NFL. And, you know, I don't know. If I'm Trevor Lawrence and they start telling me we're going to start college football season in February, I'd be like, ah, yeah, oh, I'll see no you. No, thank you. I'm going to no. the NFL draft. I'll yeah. We'll go take it to the Supreme Court, whatever you want to do. No, but no, he's going to the draft. No, he doesn't need to sue anybody. He's eligible for the draft next April. If they move football to the spring, the top prospects will bail. They will. They're concerned that will, they may they may bail now. Right. They may say, "Screw this." Will the NFL you know, the take virus, away the rule of having to play three years in college football? Or are they going to like? You don't have to. You don't have to play three years. You, you just, just have, have to be, be three. three years removed yeah, from graduating yeah, high right. school. That's right. I forgot. You don't have to actually play. Right. Yeah. So if Lawrence can say, "I'm, I'm, I'm," he can say, "I'm out right now. I'm sitting out the whole season. Uh, I'm just going to go straight to the draft." And there is some thought. The Athletic had an item last week about this, that guys may decide to do just that. All right, college football is trying to get their, their 
uh, handle on what's going to happen with the pandemic. The NFL is trying to get a handle on it. One of the things that looks to be in grave danger is fans at games. Mark Davis, owner of the Raiders, told Vic Tafer of The Athletic over the weekend that if fans can't be at the games, he's not going to the games. And if some of the fans can't be at the games, none of the fans are going to be at the games, and then he won't be at the games. He wants a full stadium or nothing at all. I I think that this is just – Mark Davis channeling his dad, Al, and just being kind of a pain in the ass for the league, being kind of a renegade, right, because he doesn't like what they're doing. And and the fans will be very happy to hear him say he's not going to go to the games and he wants all of his fans there. He doesn't want to have to pick and choose. They sold out all the, the seats. They, they've sold the PSLs. He doesn't want to have to draw lines as to who gets to come to games and who doesn't. So if nobody if, – if, if, Everybody can't go, then nobody goes, including him. Well, I mean, hey, that's it sounds nice. I mean, okay. I don't really care whether you're there or not, you know, Mark. I, I don't know what else to say there. Uh, yeah, but I think you're right. He's he's kind of pandering to his his fan base of the Raiders and acting like he's part of it, which is cool. And he I you know, I I believe he is part of it. He's part of that culture as much as anybody is in this country. So certainly he understands what it's like to be a Raider. He grew up as a damn Raider uh, and certainly still has great influence there. But, you know, I, I think here you know, the other thing that kind of bothers me a little bit is because, like, I know in part of the comment or quote that, that Mark Davis talked about, he just said he wasn't happy with where the NFL is, you know, and that's to me where I would just push back a little bit on Mark Davis and be like, hey, M- Mark, you know, yes, I'd like the NFL to have a few questions answered, too, but I'd like our federal government to have a whole lot more questions answered. And that's the biggest problem in this issue still. It's not the NFL. I'm sorry, everybody. It is our federal government. We have certain states that don't want to, you know, believe this is real. And, hey, everything's not going to turn around in our country until we start to lower the numbers and give people confidence to go out and know that they're going to be healthy again. And until the federal government starts to step in, or up their game a little bit right now because they're like a minor league football or baseball team right now to me, then nobody's going to have the confidence. There's mixed messages. Nobody understands what's going on. We have a leader that told us this was got blown and we blew it to dust. It's dust in the wind. You know, so no, none of that's real. It's very much surging better, more than ever. We're breaking, like breaking uh, records daily. So, uh, that's where I just get a little passionate about that, and that just bothered me a little that he went that way with that comment. Well, and one thing Mark Davis is passionate about is the idea that the NFL was so hung up on equity in the offseason that if if no coaches can be at facilities or if one coach can't be at a facility, then no coaches can be there. It's got to be the same rules for everybody. When it comes to seating, uh, for fans, the attitude is who, who whoever is allowed to have fans, you can have fans, and you may have some – teams that have no home field advantage and you have other teams that may have a, a half full stadium or in theory you could have an area where the pandemic's under control and everybody could be there uh davis said everything else has been about equity this season then when you get into attendance at the stadium all of a sudden it's the wild west you all make your own decisions don't look at us it's not up to us it's like whoa and, and look i think this is very simple they want to save as much money as they can so when it comes to the ability of fans to attend the games If you're in a situation where the city and state government will allow you to have fans, then have fans and make back some of that money they're otherwise going to lose. And you you can't take the position. I think it's stupid to take the position that if there's just one team that that can't have any fans, then all teams should have no fans. That's ludicrous. 
If you can have fans based upon where your team is and how your local government is handling the pandemic, then do it, Chris. I don't I don't I have, have no a problem, problem with, with that, that at all. Yeah. I, I think they have a duty to make as much money as they can. And, hey, if it creates an inequity, if one stadium's louder than the other, well, so be it. Just deal with it because uh, it's stupid to not take advantage of the opportunity to sell tickets and everything else that generates revenue on game day. Uh, agreed. Agreed with that. You're right. I, I've got nothing wrong with any of that. But, again, I think it still goes back to the point I just made, that the federal government's got to clean up their act a little bit and make everybody feel comfortable to go starting in that direction. You know, right now we only have you know, one part of the country that's kind of heading in the right way. And that's the Northeast. And I think that's because we were hit so hard by it at first. It scared the death out of everybody up here. And everybody's still really, you know, standing to protocol. I can't, I don't go into a store, any store, anything, anywhere where nobody, like everybody is wearing masks up here. And I don't see large gatherings. And, you know, hey, the, the governor in New York, Cuomo, he did a great job of he saw people too close together in New York City when restaurants got open and things like that. He put the kibosh on that right away. So, you know, I just think more states and uh, governors and, of course, our federal government, we need to get a better handle on this whole thing. And then we can start talking about, you know, fans in the stadium and everything like that. But uh, there's too much fear out there right now because there's too much false information and bullcrap and misleading statements uh, that have confused people. Well, and uh, look, I, I we could go on and on about it, and uh, we probably will. I, it's a mess, and it's inexcusable. And uh, it, it's astounding when you consider what we're hearing from our elected leaders and the behavior that we're witnessing from our fellow Americans who still don't understand the way they should, the behavior that is required to limit the spread of the virus, and who still view this as a risk similar to jumping out of an airplane, riding a motorcycle, going rock climbing. Those things entail a risk to you. Yeah. This thing entails a risk to you and everyone you come into contact with. Everyone you live with, everyone you work with, everyone you see on a regular basis. And if you get the virus, uh, you may give it to someone else and it may kill them. And the fact that there's no fingerprints that will show that it was you doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't even begin to make it something that that, that a normal functioning brain should even be able to process. And yet here we are, Chris. I look and, and it's why is any of this political? I don't get it. Why is it not only about what is right for the country, what is right for the people, what is right for the kids? Let the science drive it, not ignore the science. It's, just, it's like the, the past four months, to me, have been an extended episode of The Twilight Zone. And I'm just waiting to the point where we find out that it's all a cookbook. Hey, it's, it's all, you know, I don't know. You're going to get me pissed off here and I'm going to get worse and worse as we get into this conversation. So we should probably end, but there's only one group of people in the world right now that really aren't bought into this. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try to get political on everybody, but we know who that group is. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That group, if you don't like it right now and you're mad at me, I don't know what else to say. Sorry, but that's just the the truth. Here's the point. Here's the point. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays can't play home games this year. Yeah, because why? the Canadian government doesn't want Americans. Yeah, they don't trust us. The virus How could you trust us? And and they don't want 
the Toronto Blue Jays going to America and bringing the virus back. America's right? the, the crazy drunk uncle right now. That's who we are. We're the crazy junk drunk uncle. One virus. We're idiots right now. That's all I could say. I'm putting myself in that. I'm American, but we're idiots as a country right now. Well, on, on that note, I'm going to say goodbye to the crazy high uncle. Look, and this is why, why people, we, we need to take care of each other. We need to do the right thing, and we need to give a crap about this virus. Ignoring it is not going to make it go no. away. I think that's been fairly well established. That's it. Hopefully you won't ignore us. Join us on Tuesday morning for PFT Live. Peter King is going to join us to talk about what he learned during his visit to Minnesota and their preparations for football in a pandemic. All day long, check us out at ProFootballTalk.com. Have a great Monday. We'll see you tomorrow. See ya.